Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Beef and Lamb New Zealand's Seen and Heard podcast. Uh, this week, we're joined by Dr. James Turner, who's a senior social scientist at AgResearch. We'll talk a bit more about what he does in his day job shortly, but James, um, throw you on the deep end. You've done a bit of a survey of non-farming people, and they're quite keen to see sheep and beef farmers stop using synthetic fertilisers. Is that right? Uh Partly, that was one of the pieces of feedback we got in the survey when we asked those visitors uh, what were some of the issues they had with farming practices. One of those they identified was the use of synthetic fertiliser. The, on the other side was that they, the visitors responded really positively around other practices on farm that are really positive for the environment, like keeping stock out of waterways, riparian plantings and uh, nutrient management. I'm going to have to come clean here. That, a, that was a trip to get people's attention and to, to uh, um, engage listeners in with the rest of the podcast. But um, James was expecting that because for the first time ever in recording these podcasts, I forgot to turn on the recording when we started. So we had five minutes of excellent discussion that we've got to recreate in some shape or form. But hey, look, we're going to talk today about a bit of survey work that you've done that was based on the Open Farms Day. And hopefully podcast listeners have heard the podcast we did with Daniel Eber a while back about that project and there's certainly been some articles and promotional material on our website and our, our social media. I think we had about 45 open farms, about a bit over three and a half thousand visitors to those farms and the whole aim of it was to introduce non-farming people to farming people and to farms and to farm businesses and talk about what goes on and then this survey is basically to, to find out how that went, what people thought, what they learned and, and what they, they feel I guess what they think after that experience. So um, James, let's talk about how you got involved in this. So you're a, a senior social scientist at AgriSearch. What do you do for a, a, in your day job? Sure. So I'm one of seven social scientists at AgriSearch, and we're really interested in the people side of agriculture and farming in New Zealand. So understanding more about why farmers make the decisions they do, um, and also importantly, what's the support that can be provided to farmers around that decision making. So we're also interested in the top of it. And increasingly, uh, more and more, we're also interested in the food consumer side as well. So understanding more about uh, why urban New Zealanders um, make the decisions they do about what food they purchase. Why do they food uh, purchase that particular sort of food? Which is a nice segue because the survey that we're going to talk about today is actually a lot of people's attitudes to food and what they're looking for in, in the food they buy. And it's a pretty short uh, summary of the message. We'll, we'll link to it in, in the blurb, but I think it, we might actually end up discussing it quite a while because there's some really sort of meaty, meaty topics in there. But um, one of the things uh, the survey was carried out, and, and we'll talk about that around three and a half thousand farmers, uh, visitors to farms, apologies. But it was carried out under the auspices of the Our Land and Water National Science Challenge, which you also work in. So do you want to, I guess, a threefold question there, James. What are the National Science Challenges? What's the Our Land and Water one in particular? And what's your role with it, the Our Land and Water National Science Challenge? So the National Science Challenges, there's 11 of them. They're funded by the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. They've been going for... Ooh, perhaps about seven years, and they were set up to tackle what they call uh, societal challenges, big, meaty problems um, and challenges. And those challenges, those issues were identified uh, by the New Zealand public. 
So they include things like um, improving our um, urban environment and our housing, uh, improving the the health and well-being of New Zealanders, and then our land and water is the one that's focused around that issue of um, improving the vitality of New Zealand's primary sector, and at the same time also improving the, our land and water, so the environmental outcomes from agriculture. So if you like, a lot of people say, well, you can't have a prosperous rural community and um, a healthy environment, and we're saying let's let's achieve that. That's a good meaty challenge to try and tackle. And so what's your role with that? You've got a, a slightly different job title? Yes, yeah, so I'm one of three theme leaders. So my role as a theme leader is um, overseeing uh, four to five programs of work. And the particular area that I'm interested in is called capacity for transition. So it's about social aspects of transitioning to an even more sustainable food system in New Zealand. Okay. And so, the science uh, that will deliver to that. So Ministry of Business Environment, uh, business, business Innovation and Environment, the um, MB, the, the main funder, is, does it have industry funding as well? Yeah, from farmer levy organisations or other partners like that? Um, so we certainly partner with the, um, the industry bodies. Um, so Dairy New Zealand is involved as well. And then on individual projects and program basis, um, there'll be support from industry bodies like Beef and Lamb New Zealand as well, um, and also from industry companies like Fonterra. Okay. So how did you come through that the Our Land and Water National Science Challenge? How did that come to be involved in the, the Open Farms Program or doing the survey work? Did it just seem an obvious fit or was the was it a, a contract you picked up? How did that come about? Sure. So the connection with Open Farms was made um, in that one of the areas of um, work research that we're doing in our land and water is working on um, creating a stronger connection between rural and urban communities so that we can have um, a more constructive conversation about um, how we improve our environment um, in New Zealand. And Open Farms seemed like a really perfect fit because it was about bringing together urban rural dwellers on farm to learn more about farming and also to, for farmers to learn more about what it is that um, urban dwellers are hoping in terms of what happens on farm. All right. Well, let's talk about that. I guess um, we're going to talk about it in, in some detail and go into what you did and how, but the, the elevator pitch, I often use that in the podcast at the start to give a bit of an indicator. Um, you came up with four key insights. Can you give us an, a, a quick oversight of those four key insights? Sure. So the first one from the survey was that on-farm experiences build rural-urban trust and support for sustainable farming. Second one was being clear that the criticism about farming isn't about farmers, it's about particular farming practices. That's uh, synthetic fertiliser being an mm -hmm. example. Third one was to support sustainable farming by direct from farmers. And then the fourth one was that farmers and the public agree on the priority environmental action and that's getting stock out of waterways. Mm -hmm. Alright, so um, actually easy to say but some big meaty topics there and we're going to dig into them in some depth as we go along. So 
We had about three and a half thousand visitors to about 45 farms. There was uh, not just sheep and beef farms, there was dairy, arable, horticultural involved. So that's uh, quite a big sample size, three and a half thousand visitors. Um, how did you do the survey, James? How many of them did you contact, talk to, and how did you get in touch? Um, basically, yeah. how did you gather the information we're going to discuss? Sure. So we did an online survey that was sent out to the visitors after the event and we got 300 responses from that online survey. And broadly, we were asking those visitors questions around two topics. One, what are their attitudes towards food and fibre production here in New Zealand? And even more importantly, we also asked them how their experience of being on farm had changed those attitudes towards farming. Mm-hmm. And was it all just an online survey or did you do some more sort of in-depth follow-up, ground-truthing type stuff? Uh, no, it was all online survey. That's, that's something for the future. We'd be keen yep. to do is do follow-up uh, interviews. But you also did some survey work with some of the farmer hosts as well, is that right? Yes, that's right. Yep. So we're particularly keen to hear from the farmers about um, how they felt about the experience of having an open farm and having visitors um, and that that helped more for open farms to sort of plan for the next open farms event. Awesome. So um, we've talked about why you did it and the, and the interesting stuff and I think as we go through it that'll become clear why it was really interesting to know this stuff. Uh, one thing that occurred to me when I was reading this, um, Open Farm Day was on Sunday the 1st of March. Since then um, New Zealand's had some fairly dramatic events or the whole world's had some fairly dramatic events. When were you doing the survey? Was it um, shortly thereafter, or in the middle of lockdown, or, or um, oh, yeah, it was it was um, soon after the the open farms day, so um, before we went into lockdown. Okay, so and I, you probably don't want to speculate being a scientist, but I'm going to anyway. I mean, the, the, what we've seen since then is some positive signs for for the, the how farming is viewed, given. Um, what the country went through, is that likely to have influenced the results, the feedback you got from your survey respondents? Um, I think that's a good question. It would be really interesting to to repeat the survey to see how the experience of COVID-19 and disruptions to our food supply has changed Kiwis' attitudes to food. I think, cool. you know, anecdotally, talking with family, there's a sense that we have um, a better appreciation for where our food comes from than we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. No, so it's good. So when we talk about the stuff, we are talking sort of pre-COVID and the, the disruption or the the uh, the impact that had on, on people's views. So I guess in some ways it's uh, not untainted, but it's you know it's the, the baseline it was before we we had that impact. So. Um, Having got onto that, let's get on and start digging into some of these insights. So insight one was that the on-farm experiences were building urban rural trust and support for sustainable farming, which is great because ultimately I think that was probably the front and centre and the purpose of the Open Farms program. Certainly I think why the, why the creators uh, brought it all together, why the likes of Beef and Land New Zealand and Dairy NZ were certainly supporting it. Um, can you quantify that a wee bit? I mean, how big an impact did it have? Was it sort of burnished it a wee bit? Do people already have quite a positive view or did it actually make quite a, um, a dramatic change, almost a turnaround in their views? Yeah, um, we can't, couldn't tell if it's a real turnaround in mm-hmm. in their views. Um, things that we did, one is that the 
those visitors really enjoyed getting out on farm. So 91% said that they would want to visit, um, and they scored it a 4.4 out of 5 mm-hmm. as an experience. So that's that's really good. Um, it's really positive. They love getting on farm. They'd love to do it again. Um, and then we also did see changes in attitudes and perceptions of farming as a result of visiting. So um, a lot of the visitors said that as a result of being on the farm, they realised that farming is more complicated than they previously mm-hmm. thought. So yep. appreciation of you know, the, the, the challenges that farmers work with day to day. So that scored a 5.2 out of 7. And then um, even more so, those visitors got a real appreciation for the work that farmers are doing around sustainability. So that they felt, as a result of visiting, more positive about the environmental sustainability of farming in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. That scored a 5.5.8 out of seven. Yeah. So um, put those in context. There, in your experience, those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, to be honest, they, they were a surprise. At, um, I was surprised at how good they were. So it's, it, I think it shows the, the great benefits of people getting out on farm um, and meeting with farmers and seeing what they do on farm. Oh, nice. And you, you sort of mentioned that you didn't have a baseline to talk about people's change, but you did ask a couple of questions about sort of people's attitudes towards uh, buying food direct from farmers, paying a premium for sustainably grown food, and we can talk about the definition of that later, but um, you did actually notice some fairly significant impacts there, I think, when I read the report. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's an even more positive thing was that the visitors, 64% of them said that they'd be more willing to pay a premium for sustainably grown food, um, and that 72% said they'd be more, more like food direct from a farmer. So that second one especially talks about supporting New Zealand farmers. Yep. So one of the questions, that, and I know it's been discussed a bit in the past, and you're a social scientist, you can probably explain, what's the, how robust is that? those sort of numbers? I mean, are they what people telling you what they think you want to hear? I mean, can you put a lot of faith in that, that 64% said they were more willing to pay a premium for sustainably grown food? Would that actually translate into people putting their hand in their wallet and spending more when they go to the Farmer's Gate, New World, Countdown, wherever they, they buy their food? I mean, is it is it actually like to, you know, it's a, it's a feeling, it's an intention. Does it translate into action? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we know that um, those figures don't translate exactly into people going and paying more for food or buying directly from farmers. Um, it's this idea of called the halo effect, um, mm-hmm. even though um, people, the surveys are anonymous and I'm mm-hmm. never going to know who they'll, they'll respond a bit more in the positive, but we do know that there are a proportion of those. We don't know exactly what, which proportion that will change their uh, food purchasing decisions because of that. Mm. But presumably, the higher the intention is, the more the, the higher the proportion that actually you will do it in the end. So the, you still want to see a, you're not going to get all of those 64% that said they'd pay more, but the higher that number, the more the higher the number that will drop out the bottom end, I guess, actually paying more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so we've got good numbers to say that it is a good proportion. Yeah, and I'm sort of thinking of this as we, I mean, it, it, in and of itself, whether it translates in the bottom line, it's, it's a signal in a way of the, I guess, the positive feelings, the positive outcomes from the Open Farm Program that people, even if they don't necessarily do it, that they said they intend to do that sort of thing, they're obviously reflecting positively on what they saw and heard when they're on farm. 
Yeah, yep, yeah, and it's something we'll come back to again. It's um, that recognizing, um, and this came through in terms of, so we in the survey we had open questions where people could put comments, and quite a number mm -hmm. of visitors talked about realizing that as a food consumer, um, their decisions about what they purchase can help support farmers around um, environmental practices on farm, direct from farmers. Cool. So just before we move on, well, it's, it's sort of part of the next one, the, 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 the second insight, which is that criticism of farming isn't about farmers, it's about practices, but there's some numbers in there that I think sort of relate to the, the positive experience that people had, and that was that... Um, the highlights, when you ask people what their highlights were, I think what you actually found is the number one highlight wasn't probably, and certainly for me personally it wasn't, but I think probably for a number of us, wasn't what we expected would be the highlight for um, farmers, you know, non-farmers visiting a farm rather. So can you talk about what those highlights were? Sure, yeah, that was a real surprise for me as well. So we asked the visitors, you know, what was the highlight? Was it about meeting the animals, meeting the farmer, those sorts of things. Um, but we um, highlight science and farming, so learning more about the science behind farming. Um, and that was the one that was top rated. 28% of the visitors mm -hmm. put that as their, their highlight. Um, that was followed by meeting the animals at 27%. Yeah. So, uh, is, yeah, that was quite a surprise for yeah. us. Yeah, you're not, not surprised to see meeting animals up there because, you know, um, anecdotally or, or just guessing, you sort of, that's what people enjoy when they come out to rural areas. But the science and farming one at the top. Uh, any thoughts on why that was so highly rated? Um, I think it might be related to that response about getting an appreciation that farming is more complicated than they thought. Mm -hmm. um, that they they got an appreciation of the complexity that farmers deal with um, and that to deal with that complexity, draw, farmers draw in a lot of um, science as well as their own expert uh, knowledge to handle that complexity. Mm. I sort of wanted to, to highlight that because I, I think it, it feeds into the, the first real insight, but it certainly is important to take into mind when we talk about the second key insight, which is that criticism of farming isn't about farmers, it's about practices. Can you give us a bit more what you, you mean about that? I mean, is that something that people were explicitly saying or is that what you've inferred from the, the survey information? Sure. So we inferred that from the, the survey information, both the, the the responses but also some of the open text comments. Mm -hmm. So um, the one of the comments was around, you know, farming can be sustainable, but some of the practices need to change. So they talked about there the dependence on synthetic fertilizer um, mm -hmm. and a need for what they see as more emphasis on native and riparian planting. Um, but then also came through to concerns about particular practices uh, like um, corporate farm ownership was one, um, mm -hmm. areas where there was a sense land use isn't suited to the, the particular characteristics of the land. Um, mm -hmm. And then also talk about the positive practices as well. Um, they gave examples of like that riparian plantings, the nutrient management that's already going on, uh, keeping livestock out of water waterways. Mm. Yeah, so there's some of the key ones I noted, you know, um, that they 
uh, visitors reference practices like carbon sequestration, regenerative farming, brand New Zealand as, as opportunities. Um, yeah. What sort of uh, level of, you know, how many, what sort of percentage of people were nominated in those? They were obviously the key ones, but is that a majority of people were identifying those or, or, or a significant number? How, what, what sort of level of interest and awareness of those topics was there? Yeah, it's a good question. So we found the majority, so uh -huh. it depended on the topic, but um, in most cases, over 50% recognised those those practices as being uh, ones that they thought were more sustainable okay. and associated with, with sustainable food production. Okay. So are they ones, they were they sort of a, a multi-choice one, you suggest them, or are they ones people are actually were coming up with unprompted? So we we did have a, a list of um, practices mm -hmm. that um, we asked respondents about, you know, which ones do you think are sustainable, which ones do you think are priority actions yep. that could be taken to improve environmental practices. So those ones came out near the top. Yeah, no, that's dramatic. You know, it, it struck me those are not, um, oh, I, mean, I suppose they're starting to get quite a lot of reasonably high level of profile in general discourse but to see the, the the level they were they were coming out in the survey was quite sort of caught the eye so digging in a bit behind that in terms of the, the criticism isn't of farmers it's of farming practices and they were ones that people nominated as being of opportunities or being of concern we talked about a number there what's the the, the feeling um and i don't know how much you can talk about this james but behind that how that's what people are feeling are they factually based feelings? How significant should people that are farming take? Obviously, that's that's what people are feeling. They are thinking that's fine. Is it um, something that we automatically respond to, or that are things that we need to communicate to um, non-farming population? You know, for synthetic fertilisers, for example, that um, yeah. I, I, Long-winded there, I think, um, you know, are they things we should really be concerned about? Um, people say that they're, they're worried about them. Is that based on facts or is it based on feelings? Yeah, so um, I suspect it's a combination of the two. Mm. Yep. Um, and I think it is really important for um, the farming stick to, to be aware of those and mm. see how can we respond to them. Yep. Um, an example of that coming through is, now this is in the United States, a survey that was done in the United States, but um, that highlighted that consumers there increasingly wanted to understand how their food is produced. Mm -hmm. So nearly 50% of the respondents of that survey said that they, they were keen to understand how food was produced. So it's starting to get up there to the level of interest in knowing where food comes from. Um, so uh, real signs that there is increasing interest on the part of food consumers about how food is produced. And so things like that's why they're interested in things like carbon sequestration, riparian plantings, regenerative, yep. um, synthetic. Yeah. So what's the what's the lesson out of this or for, for farmers, for farming organisations like Beef and Lamb New Zealand, when you, you see results like that, I mean, how do you interpret them um how do you what do you need to gather more information to decide whether you need to make significant on-farm changes or is it at, you know, at the same time trying to explain and change people's perception and obviously it's going to be a mix of those i mean what where do you go from when you've got information like that yeah i think these sorts of things are a real opportunity for um 
the likes of Beefin and um, New Zealand and um, the likes of Dairy New Zealand to continue the efforts they're doing to understand what are the, the trends and those sort of long-term trends around what consumers are looking for mm. in terms of how food is produced and to be able to then support farmers in um, being able to respond in terms of practices that will um, address those trends. So like we've already seen with the, the work around um, keeping stock out of waterways, mm -hmm. that's um, something we've sort of picked up as consumers want to see, uh, communities in New Zealand want to see, and we're front footing it. Um, I think it's better to do that than to try and um, attempt something that sort of says, no, you consumers are wrong for wanting these things because there's a risk, one, um, that they'll see it as sort of pushback, mm -hmm. and two, also they might look to um, other countries or other places that produce food that do meet those requirements. No, it's interesting. So, and the other note I'd made, you talk in there that there was actually, and you know, that was why the the uh, the, the level of tech line interest was uh, was surprising with um, the science and farming coming out on top. So, it was a high level of technical interest. Would there be, and this isn't about trying to convince people they're wrong, but to talk about the fact that these things are, and you mentioned it yourself, that farming is probably more complicated than people thought before they went in the farm gate. Is there interest? Is there value in in not uh, marketing as such, but actually engaging people and explaining, uh, increasing the level of technical understanding, because some of these things are, it might be easy to put a, an advert in the paper and say X, Y, Z, but actually, as we all know on farms, they're pretty complicated systems. So would there be value interest there in actually taking or talking at a more in-depth technical level with the audiences, I guess, where I'm going with this question? Yeah, I think the 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 fact that you know, 28% of the um, the respondents um, said that mm. that was a highlight science in farming and that they're starting to talk about concepts like carbon sequestration, synthetic fertiliser, regenerative agriculture, say that um, at least for the people we surveyed, they are interested in learning more about those topics mm -hmm. and um, starting to understand more the complexity of farming. So, yeah, I think it is starting to signal because he's more interested in how food is produced, consumers are interested yep. in um, starting to learn that, mm. more about that. No, that's good. That was, that was a really, it's something that just struck out to me that people just didn't enjoy, as we said, meeting a farmer, petting a dog, seeing a sheep or a cattle beast or, or whatever, but actually they really enjoyed some of the, the technical stuff, which was, was neat to see. So, right, yeah. we're getting into some depth, but we're going to move on to the, the third key insight, which was to support sustainable farming by direct from farmers. Now, um, this is an interesting one, given New Zealand, I know sheep and beef, and I think dairy, the numbers are pretty much that we are heavily, heavily dominated by exports. You know, 90% plus of what we produce goes overseas, and I think that's been a strength for New Zealand sheep and beef farmers in particular when I compare with industries overseas. Our, our focus, our um, single-minded focus almost on having product that we can get overseas in a saleable fashion and sale it, sell it when it's over there. But the... Um, Really interesting. Are we, are we missing a trick? Have we sort of ignored the domestic market or, or are there some opportunities in domestic marketing or engaging with local consumers that we've missed? Um, I think I think this, this one is more about a recognition that New Zealand consumers um, want to support farming in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that's um, not about pointing a finger at farmers and saying, hey, you've got to do these things. It's actually recognising that um, in their food purchasing decisions, they can they can support farmers by buying direct from the farmers, buying New Zealand made, uh, paying a premium. So that's that's the sort of take home I get from this. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it's yeah, obviously exports are our main our main source mm. of um, of income. So when you, I mean, the number there, twenty-five percent were were buying local or direct from a farmer. That's that's twenty-five percent were already doing that. Um, yeah. So we did ask them a question around um, actions that they can do to support sustainable uh-huh. farming, um, and so that's where we got things like thirty-two percent said they'd they'd buy New Zealand-grown food. Yeah. Um, so recognition, you know, if if we're buying overseas food, we're not supporting our farmers and their efforts. Um, buying food direct from a farmer, 27% said that was an action that they could do mm-hmm. to support sustainable farming. Um, and then the ones further down the list were ones that you could do at home around reducing food waste. Mm. Um, we had 7% that said they'd eat less meat or dairy. Mm. Yeah, no, I noticed that, and but and twenty three percent of the people surveyed had already reduced meat and dairy. Was that? Have I read that right? Yes, yeah, that's right. Yep, that's that's um because we're not talking a random sample here. We're talking people that have you know taken the opportunity to get up and go out and visit a farm, and not all those farms were were animal, you know, sheep and beef or dairy farms, obviously. But that that's a uh, were you surprised by that? That's quite a high percentage of people who are presumably at least average in their their positive view and you know they're not they're not um they don't have a negative view of sheep and beef farming and dairy farming presumably and yet we still had 23 percent of them have reduced their meat and dairy intake yeah um perhaps the size of that number was um a surprise still did expect to see that and that's that's been a sort of trend that's come in the last year or two um, particularly driven by that sense of an action that mm-hmm. people can take to help to contribute to reducing uh, climate change. Um, yeah, and I, I guess that comes back to that, you know, we're, we're starting to tell a story now that highlights, yes, if you're um, eating less meat, um, that when you do eat meat, eat really good quality New Zealand meat. Is mm-hmm. the sort of story we're yep. starting to be able to tell now. Yep. Do you think that number would you know, extrapolate out to the population as a whole? Around 23% of the population are have decided and are eating less meat and dairy? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good yeah. question. I I don't know. I haven't, haven't looked to see if there has been a survey of New Zealand um, changes in uh, food consumption. Oh. No, it, was, it, just, it just struck me, I, and, you know, it, Assuming, and, I'm, and to be one of a better word, I'm guessing here that the people that went to the farms were generally more positive towards farming than average, or um, and to see that that proportion of them already in that space. But anyway, no, just something that, that, that caught my eye when we we're looking at. I guess so. One of the key things here we're talking though is we're not just talking uh, digging in more detail. It's not just people wanting to or intending to buy more local product because effectively nearly everything they buy and eat in the supermarket or the vast majority of it is already local product. They're talking about A, buying direct, but presumably local with some sort of verification or proof of, and it's a fairly um, 
uh, all-encompassing word, sustainable farming. People are, they don't just want to buy New Zealand product, they would like to buy sustainably farmed, whatever that may be, New Zealand product. Yeah, yep, that, that's certainly come through in the results. And, and one way that um, they see themselves being able to um, do that is if they buy food direct from a farmer. So they can sort of have that trusted relationship with the farmer, understand how they're producing that food by having that direct connection with them. Do you think um, as a proxy for that, um, having had the opportunity to visit farms, you know, because hopefully this open farm program will continue, but if people have had the opportunity to visit New Zealand sheep and beef farms, that's likely to increase their trust and in uh, those production systems, even if they continue to buy you know, from their local bulk supermarket or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, that sort of came through in those responses that we got that um, the, as a result of visiting the farm, people felt more connected to farmers, you know, yeah. scored a 4.7 out of, out of 7. So I think this is in a, these open yeah. farms an important way to get that, that trust in farming and that connection with farming. Oh, it's good to know. I mean, the, the numbers of people that went up the gate, over 3,500 were really pleasing in and of themselves, but to see that they then came away with that... Um, that improved understanding and improved um, view, I guess, of, of farming is excellent. Right, so we're starting to get into the weeds a wee bit there. Let's move on to the fourth um, key insight, which was the agreement on environmental priorities um, or the environmental priority, number one, get stock out of waterways. So is that something people were already thinking or believing before they went to an open farm day? Or did you be able to measure that or was it something they had reinforced when they went and visited a farm? Yeah, unfortunately, we wouldn't be able to tell because we didn't, um, weren't able to survey. Mm-hmm. I went on that when we gave them that list of actions that they thought farmers could take to yeah. improve environmental outcomes, 43% said getting stock out of waterways, and that was the top one. Um, and I suspect um, anecdotally that that's been influenced a lot by the industry efforts mm-hmm. yep. that have already been underway done mm-hmm. to support farmers in those activities um, and that nice and farmers are doing so Manaki Whenua a Crown Research Institute do the survey of rural decision makers mm-hmm. and they found that 81% of the farmers they surveyed are already actively excluding stock yep. yeah the, the one I wanted to pick up, so I, I keep coming back to it, but it's because, you know, fertiliser is probably one of the biggest inputs, both in quantity and, and expense on a farm. It's people things people are focused on a lot. So 34% of people felt reducing fertiliser use would be an environmental priority. Um, you just talked about that survey of rural decision makers and how it aligns that 77% of farmers said they're managing fertiliser. Those are two slightly different things, reducing fertiliser and managing fertiliser. Um, yep. How do they match up? Do you think people are likely to have viewed that farmers should be, or said that farmers should be reducing fertiliser use and farmers respond by saying, well, we're managing our fertiliser use. Is that likely to suffice to, to satisfy people? If farmers say we are trying to be carefully managing it, but that doesn't necessarily mean reducing? Yeah, I think that's a good start. Um, yep. and, and here it's, it's, you know, we're the opportunities to continually improve on that nutrient management, um, so that you can you can show that we're reducing the use of uh, synthetic fertilisers, and here's how we're continuing to to 
be more effective about the management and application of fertilizer. So you get examples like, um, you know, more targeted application of fertilizer uh -huh. using things like precision precision technologies where that's possible. It starts to show the efforts that farmers are undertaking to reduce the use of fertilizers. Yeah, no, it's just interesting. I, I know you, you probably heard the saying in political terms that some parties become poll-driven fruitcakes. Um, <laughs> I think it's they, uh, they they live and breathe on their polling. Whatever the polling says, that's that's what they do. And um, obviously we don't want to get that. It's just trying to get from you how you take these results and interpret them and apply them, I guess, and, and rather than just um, look at the number on a piece of paper and that's, that's what you do. So... Um, Look, that's the four um, key insights, but there's one last one, I think, um, which is really interesting and of value to us, given we're an investor in the Open Farm Program and we're trying to encourage more people to get involved. You also talk to the farmers who, who hosted these places. I mean, they generally, and it seems almost without exception, found it a really positive and rewarding experience. Yeah, <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think... What they enjoyed being able to do was be able to share their stories uh -huh. about farming. <clears throat> yeah. um, so the, that scored a 6.2 out of 7 uh -huh. in terms of enjoying sharing a story. And um, two-thirds of the farmers said that they would be keen to host another open, open um, farm. Because, you know, it's a big deal and I can understand people doing it once and not wanting to do it another year, even if it's been a, a completely positive experience because it, it's, it's a big thing for farmers having others come on. Um, yeah. Did any of them, were there any, uh, I guess, lessons learned or issues that they weren't prepared for, things that surprised them when they had people come onto their farm? Just thinking of maybe farmers listening to this are thinking about doing next year and I guess what uh, things they could learn from the experience of those that went first? Sure. That's um, to be honest. That's not a question I can answer uh -huh. well. Um, Dan Ebb would be the person to, to ask that one, um, and that was the reason for surveying the farmers was to yeah. learn more about what open farms can do to support them better and having those um, open farms. All right. Now we might have to pick Daniel's brain again. I just the number I saw in there that um, farmer hosted a positive rating. The open farms experience a four point four out of five, which seemed a, a pretty good number to me. It was. Um, yeah. overall been a, a really positive experience. So look, um, James, I'm going to talk a bit about where people can get access and have a look at this in more depth because um, we have talked about it for a fair while, but we've still only scratched, uh, well, scratched a reasonable amount of the surface anyway. Um, anything else that jumped out to you that we haven't talked about? Um, I think I've sort of touched on it, but for me, uh, a highlight was that that angle that um, the visitors saw that there's things they can do to support farmers. Uh -huh. So really shifting the dial from this is a, um, a problem that farmers have got to sort out in terms of cleaning out waterways in New Zealand and those sort of things to recognising farmers are um, doing a great job, they're making efforts, they're continually working on improving environmental outcomes. Uh -huh. And then as urban dwellers as food consumers they can support farmers in their those efforts around the decisions they make about purchasing food that's direct from farmers buying local uh, supporting sustainable production so that that sense that farmers um, aren't alone um, urban dwellers actually when they get out on farm realize that there's things they can do to support farmers efforts brilliant no it's um 
really positive outcomes and some really interesting uh, things to, to consider and ponder. And the positive outcomes are particularly positive because it's only been one year of this program. It's certainly not a, it's been going over time and had, and built that sort of momentum, which hopefully it will in years to come when it, when it keeps happening. So if people want to find out more um, about the, the survey, where can they go and have a look? We'll put, put the link in the, in the blurb below this, but um, what's the best place to find out more, James? Sure. So on the Our Land and Water website, uh-huh. that's Our Land and Water, or one word, dot .nz. Yep. And then we've so, even got uh, links there to the, the complete um, survey results, so you can dig a little bit deeper into the, the responses. And is the intention to, I think the intention certainly have open farms again next year to repeat the survey after that and see how things go? Yeah, we'd certainly like to do that. We'd like to repeat it so we can see if there's been further shifts. You know, we might be able to see if COVID-19 has changed things. <laughs> um, and also add some um, other questions in there as well. Um, you know, one that sort of came up was, do these visits on farm change uh, attitudes towards the idea of farming as a career? So it'd be great uh-huh. to sort of see if some of the young people yeah. to get on farm um, identify farming as a, a um, especially when they see things like the sophistication of um, mm. science and fun. Well, yeah. no, sounds good. Well, let's hope by uh, early March next year we're able to get back and start doing on-farm visits and all those sorts of things that we've we've put on hold temporarily. But hey, look, we've um, we've spoken for a fair while, um, in particular because I made a false start, which I um, I better own up. First time I've ever done it, but I have made. Um, we re-recorded the start of this after I forgot to turn on the recording, but. Anyway, that's been a, a pretty in-depth discussion. We'll put the links in the blurb that James referred to there so you can go and find out more if you want. Um, there's some contact details in there. There's some uh, summary article, I think, on the, the Beef and Lamb New Zealand website as well. We've been promoting this as a you know, pretty positive outcomes and some really interesting information there for sheep and beef farming. But for now, um, look, James Turner, Senior Social Scientist at uh, AgriSearch, thanks for, for joining us. Um, we managed to get through the call without your son uh, interrupting us by playing Fortnite. At, um, so it's gone well. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Aaron. I really appreciate it.